0: First two weeks I was here, I got to give a family update, and I think I get to give another one today. They're here. Uh, They were, yay! They're seated right back there. I told them they might have to stand up, but you guys didn't make them stand up, so they were prepared. Now they got to stand up. So, all right, if you're my child, stand up real quick. Give a little wave. All right, they can sit down. Um. So uh I have there's three more that uh just went up to kids church and so uh that's not all of them. So there's seven kids plus mom and I uh and so on Sunday morning she's a she's a single mom and she gets them all here for church and I'm so blessed to have uh Lynn join us and I've got other family members that are visiting today to to see us this morning. So funny when the grandkids show up, family shows up too. So it's just it's wonderful. So I don't know how that works. Um I just a quick moving story I, I, I you probably expect one we we did a, a, a U pack moving system. I don't know if you've done this before. Several of you probably have, but they bring they you you reserve one online, they guess how much space you need. They bring the trailer, you pack it up, they drive it off. Um, they did that for us with the estimate and we filled the whole trailer and had to call up and say, we need another one uh so they brought another one uh and we filled that one halfway uh and so uh yeah we've got a lot of stuff coming the the downside to it is they kind of control the schedule so when the trailer arrives we'll let you know and if you want to help uh unpack a trailer and a half uh we could use your help so um anyway what's that in the meantime uh your hospitality has been so great and so generous and i think we're set so thank you so much for caring for us that way uh and and just welcoming us here into this place a mountain home and it's so good to to be here and to be here and to be together um so it was a blessing to be here for the week and a half that i was and and just me but it's really good to have us all together so praise the lord uh Today, our text comes from Matthew chapter 1, so if you could open your Bibles or point your devices to that, uh, to that chapter, Matthew chapter 1, uh, starting with verse 18. Uh, today, I'm reading from the Common English Bible, uh, and we'll be reading through verse 25. Would those who are able, please stand and join me out of reverence for the word. Matthew chapter 1, starting in verse 18. This is how the birth of Jesus Christ took place. When Mary, his mother, was engaged to Joseph before they were married, she became pregnant by the Holy Spirit. Joseph, her husband, was a righteous man. Because he didn't want to humiliate her, he decided to call off their engagement quietly. As he was thinking about this, an angel from the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, Don't be afraid to take Mary as your wife, because the child she carries was conceived by the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you will call him Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. Now all of this took place so that what the Lord had spoken through the prophet would be fulfilled. Look, a virgin will become pregnant and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel. Emmanuel means God with us. When Joseph woke up, he did just as an angel from God commanded and took Mary as his wife. But he didn't have sexual relations with her until she gave birth to a son. Joseph called him Jesus. This is the word of God given to us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. Please be seated. A couple of weeks ago, we we talked about the importance of seeing the Gospel of Matthew as what it was when it was written. It it was the story of Jesus meant for the Jews. It's a Jewish book. It's meant for a a Jewish audience. Written late in the century, Uh, the people who followed Jesus after he was crucified and after he had been resurrected began to write down the stories of Jesus so they they wouldn't forget. But each gospel writer had a different audience, had a different point, had a different reason for what they were writing. They weren't writing the Bible. They didn't, know they didn't sit down and say, I'm going to write the Bible today. They were writing the story of Jesus. And the audience of the Gospel of Matthew was certainly the Jewish nation. Every time you open Matthew up, I want you to remember that. I want you to think about the Jewish culture as much as you can. I want, to, I want you to try to, to place yourself in that context. Certainly the book is meant for you and for me as well, but primarily when we read the Gospel of Matthew, remember that it's written for the Jewish people, meant to introduce them to this person of Jesus that we follow. And it's through this Jewish lens that this text must be viewed this morning. The, the marriage traditions of first century Jews are on, on display here. Uh, our twentieth, our 21st century view of, of dating, engagement, and marriage doesn't really work here. Okay, um, uh, The commentator Barclay describes a three-step process uh, of marriage for the Jewish culture. Um, early in life, there would usually be an arrangement of two families. Okay this person, this child's going to marry this child. It was kind of a set up thing, and, and that was called uh, the engagement. okay Betrothal was an endorsement of the plan. so So there was a little bit of input offered uh, by the children, but it, but it came early and and once that point was reached, they were said to be pledged to be married, and the only way to terminate that arrangement was through a divorce. Finally, after a year of betrothal, the couple, would marry. And it's likely as we view, view this story that, that that couple was in the second phase of that, that process. And when you, look at the, when you look at the gospel, when you look at the text written here in Matthew today, uh, it's very Joseph-centric. Did you notice that? The story is very Joseph-centric. The, the lineage of Jesus, which takes up the first 17 verses of that chapter, point to Joseph, starts with Abraham, goes through David, goes through the exile, and lands with Joseph. Um, in this gospel, Mary isn't even warned about her pending pregnancy. Uh, we have to turn to Luke to hear that, that part of the story. Um, it, it, it's, a little, it's, a, it's a little shocking, maybe even a little offensive in our, in our view and in our culture to see how little of Mary's journey is considered here. She certainly discussed and talked about in shockingly personal detail, but always in the third person. But this was a Jewish gospel. This was a gospel written for the Jews, which was a very male-centric culture. But Matthew's gospel, instead of getting wrapped up in in the human narrative, really focuses on the work of God in this story. I think that's why Luke's treatment kind of gets more more FaceTime sometimes at Christmas for us. It might be what you would say a little more popular at Christmas time. It tells the human story. Talks about the census. Talks about the journey on a donkey. Talks about the stable and the manger. We'll get to all of that. that, We'll we'll spend time there this year. Uh, And I really want to invite you back on Christmas Eve, this Tuesday, 530, where we talk about more of that Christmas story. But Matthew's point here isn't the human story. Uh, It's certainly there. And, and especially from Ju- Joseph's standpoint, but but Matthew's focus remains on the spirit and the work of God in this story. You know, as we as we consider this story and as we look at it, I can, I can get all uh, distracted and caught up in, in how did it work? Ever ask these questions? How, how did this How did this happen? How did Mary really get get pregnant? Where did you know we, we understand science, we, we understand a little bit of the, the biology of, of how this all works. Uh, where, did, where did Jesus get the genes that he needed? Right? Because, because I mean, how did it work? How, do you ever ask these questions as you read the Bible? I do. I get, I get all distracted sometimes by, by the workings of it, the biology, the science, because that's interesting to me. And, and, and I want to know. It intrigues me. But I'm reminded today, I was reminded this week as I prepared for this morning, that this book, the Bible isn't a science book. Matthew isn't concerned about biology. That's not his field. The Bible is a faith book. and Matthew is concerned about the theology. Matthew is concerned about telling the story and the point of the story In this text is this, the Spirit moved. The Spirit acted and the the Ruach of God empowered by the prayers of centuries of people who were expecting this Messiah to come acted on this most unlikely of possibilities that the Virgin Mary should be found expectant with a child of her own. The spirit moved. Do you hear? Did you hear the, the parts in the story where it talked about the spirit? In the very first verse, it says, Before they were married, she became pregnant by the Holy Spirit. When the messenger of God came, said, Don't be afraid to take Mary as your wife, because the child she carried was conceived by the Holy Spirit. This is Matthew's story that the Spirit moved. And again, like we talked about two weeks ago, we have to understand spirit from the Jewish perspective of spirit. That's who the audience was, not the Holy Spirit that we're used to. Sometimes we do that. Sometimes we take what we understand and we, and we put it into the Scripture, our understanding of the Holy Spirit. This is the spirit of the Old Testament. This is the spirit that hovered over the waters of chaos in the creation account. This is the spirit, the life breath of God that was breathed into Adam's nostrils in Genesis chapter 2. This is the spirit when Ezekiel was taken to the valley of dry bones and the bodies were all stitched together and they had no life in them. Until the spirit of God was breathed into them and it brought life. This is the spirit that they knew. This is the spirit that brought life from death. And I don't think the Jewish audience would get as distracted as I do because this is what the Spirit does. It brings life. It brought order from chaos back in the creation account. It was breathed into the nostrils of Adam. It brought life to the bodies that were constructed from the valley of dry bones. The writer knew his audience As amazing as it was, this would strike a chord of familiarity for the Jewish audience and say, we've heard stories about this spirit. We know what this spirit does. This is the spirit that brings life. That same Jewish audience would recognize the reference to the Old Testament quote in verse 23 as well. The quote comes from Isaiah chapter 7, which we already had read in this service. Initially this quote was meant for the people of the Old Testament Israel. This was this was a quote that was given to Ahaz, the king of Israel. We hear it during all the time during during Christmas, right? The the virgin will be with child, will give birth to a son. They will call him Emmanuel. This is originally a prophecy for the people of Israel, particularly for a fearful king. King Ahaz was afraid. He was afraid because two nations were bearing down upon Jerusalem, trying to take the city. And while the king refused a sign from God that things would be all right, God gave the sign anyway. And this is what it says. The Lord will give you a sign. The young woman is pregnant and is about to give birth to a son. And she will name him Emmanuel. This is the original context of this verse. A nation in peril, a nation that's under attack, a nation that has that has two enemies bearing down on its city. And the prophet goes to Ahaz, fearful of losing Jerusalem. Ahaz is scared. He doesn't even want God's sign. Did you catch that in the reading? In Isaiah, the king's like, no, I don't want to hear from God right now. We're in trouble. Don't give me this God talk right now. Kind of indicative of how much Ahaz trusted God. And here comes God's message. I am with you. In the Old Testament, this this is centuries before Jesus comes. He says, I am with you. All the way back to the prophet Isaiah, who came to represent God's message to a nervous king. The message is simply this. God is with us. I'm drawn to this story of the two people who who, who endured this this pregnancy story back in in the... the Gospel of Matthew: Mary, who with an apparently illicit and scandalous pregnancy, Joseph, who in the eyes of the public if he were following Jewish law. If he wanted to to follow the code, would have taken harsh action. But instead, chose to marry an unfaithful fiance, apparently. Again, in Luke, it was Mary who received the news from a visiting messenger with this simple response. She said this, Let it be with me just as you have said. What a response. What a response from a messenger that says, You're going to be pregnant. You're not going to understand how it happened. It's just going to be. Let it be with me. Just as you have said. That's what she said outside. Do you ever wonder what went on inside her head? Do you ever wonder those moments of doubts? Maybe afterwards? Maybe when she had to tell her parents? (laughs) Estimates have Mary maybe 13, 14, 15 years old. Some of you have had 13 and 14 and 15-year-old daughters. That would be a hard conversation. Or what about when she had to tell Joseph? And then Joseph, in our passage today, wakes from a dream where a messenger of the Lord comes and goes and does, just as the angel said. How did they endure that? How did they put up with the, the scandal and the shame? People, people end up talking about that stuff, you know. It's hard to believe, right? That doesn't happen anymore, but it happened back in Jerusalem, <laughs> back in Nazareth. Luke tells us that Mary had to get up and go out of town for a while. She went and visited a relative going from Nazareth up to the Judean highlands to visit her relative Elizabeth, who was pregnant with a son as well, who would later become John the Baptist. I have a theory about these two young parents-to-be. That is, they understood. That is, that they understood and knew the power of the truth that Isaiah brought to King Ahaz. That God is with us. That despite the ridicule, that despite what people were saying, they they knew a God who was always working so that good overcomes evil, so that life overcomes death, and that God is with us. You know, today, I, I'm concerned that today with the church, we focus a little too much on a different part of this text. Uh, earlier in the text, it, the, the, the angel who appears to Joseph in, in a dream uh, talks to Joseph about naming a child. What does he say? Joseph, son of David, don't be afraid to take Mary. Child that she carries is conceived by the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you will call him Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. That's good news, church. That's good news, right? Amen. Jesus is derived from the name Joshua, a name that clearly reminded this Jewish audience of the themes of salvation. And that's, that's good news. We like that. The baby is named Jesus because he'll save us, save us from our sins, and that's worthy of celebration. We say, hooray! We're saved. We get to go to heaven. It's like we win. But my concern is this. If we're solely focused on the win, on the going to heaven, on the Jesus and the Joshua part of this text, we potentially miss the chance to live the reality of Emmanuel. The God is with us now. Now. And that he wants to change our now. Living with Jesus isn't about the day we die. Living with Jesus is about the days that we get to live. And changes our now. And changes our today. So that when we do pass from this earthly journey. We get to continue the journey that we already started. That God is with us us. We can't rest our desire to see people come to know Jesus on this promise that we get to go to heaven someday. It's not, it's not enough any longer. People aren't interested in that, in that story. We aren't making progress with this idea that, that hell's going to be really bad and heaven's going to be really good. And so you really want to accept this free gift from Jesus. The world's looking at that message and sees at its core, I believe, an element of selfishness. Because if following Jesus is all about what I get, hmm, that's interesting. What does our message need to become? These verses help spell it out for us. The message isn't, look at what I get when I die. The message is this, God wants to be with us. Now, the incarnation of Christ first introduced at this first Christmas in the text with Emmanuel, God with us. But it was even experienced back in the days of Isaiah and Ahaz. Ahaz, a a nervous king with the enemies attacking, with the storm swirling all around him. The message from God through the prophet is Emmanuel, God with us us finds new and full expression as god is even with us today that's good news he's with us he is with creation with those who follow god and with those who have yet to follow god we believe god's with them too called prevenient grace that god doesn't wait for us to follow him before he shows up in our lives he's already at work And this is where we encounter the Advent theme of peace. This Messiah child whose presence was promised in the Jewish scriptures of the Old Testament is crowned and hailed as Prince of Peace. It was not the peace that the rabbis and the faithful had imagined for centuries. It was not a conquering peace For Israel brought back by having the strongest army, by by carrying the biggest stick, by establishing the nation of David like it once was, the good old days. That's not the prince of peace that Jesus turned out to be. It is a peace that resides deep within our souls. A strong, resolute confidence that God is with us and that the presence of Emmanuel makes all the difference we will still struggle church we will still have times of doubt there will still be times when two nations are pressing in on us there 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 are times when the pieces of the puzzle won't always add up as we struggle to see why this or how that today we may still be in the struggle in the middle of battling anxiety or pain, or depression, and the message is the same. God is with us. God steps right into our brokenness, not afraid, not afraid of our reality, but resides there with us. And sometimes God may deliver us. Oftentimes, God simply walks with us, offering us the prince of, Nor- the, it's offering us the peace of knowing, Emmanuel, that God is with us. I I believe there's an inherent centering that happens when we acknowledge the reality of God with us. When, When God is with us, when God with us becomes our center, our strong opinions become gentler in the light of our passionate grace for one another. I have a friend and a mentor who frequently spoke about it it being more important to be rightly related than it was to be perfectly right. (laughs) It's so good, I'm going to say it again. I have a friend and mentor who frequently spoke about it being more important to be rightly related. I want to be in proper, reconciled relationship with you more than I want to be right. And I don't have to to finish that argument. I don't have to convince you. But what I must do is stay rightly related to you. (laughs) And he was one of the most brilliant men I've ever known. Oh, that I could master that. Oh, that I could understand that. This world needs people of faith to lead the way with that kind of peace. A calming, confident, enduring, unthreatened, grace-filled peace. The kind that will only come when we understand the reality and live Emmanuel, God with us. We're going to close this morning with a song and invite the praise team to come back up. Today the invitation is singular. May we choose again this Advent season in the waiting. We're still waiting for Christ to come. But may we choose again this Advent season to believe even before Christ, the Christ child has broken in upon the scene, that God is with us. And may we choose to live in acute awareness that the presence of God brings peace a peace that isn't an absence of storm or difficulty, but an anchor point on which to build a life of faith. May it be so in our lives, we pray. Would you pray with me? God, thank you today for your love. Thank you today for your word. Would it, would it shape us today? Would we take the example that we see in Scripture in the lives of Mary and Joseph? And understand that your presence was always with us, continues to be so. And today as we celebrate Christmas, the advent of Christmas, the coming of Christmas, may we understand and know God with us and experience the peace that comes with that reality. We pray in Christ's name. Amen.